So once again, Genesis 32, verses 24 to 32. I'll ask you to please stand for the reading of God's word. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. You can be seated as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to gather together to sit under your word and hear your voice. So I pray that you would speak to us now by your spirit through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you win a fight with God? Maybe you've never thought of that question before until now. But it's important because whether we realize it or not, this is a fight that we're all involved in. And more importantly, it's a fight that we must learn to win. However, the way to win this fight is not what we might expect. And that's what we'll see here in our passage of Genesis 32, as Jacob fights with God. He enters into a wrestling match with God. And what we see here is, is really unusual, but within Jacob's story in the book of Genesis, this event, I think, can be seen as sort of a snapshot of Jacob's entire life, a summary of what we've learned about Jacob so far. So if you're familiar with the Jacob story, you would know that Jacob is a fighter. And Jacob's been fighting for his entire life. At his birth, we see that he grabs the heel of his older twin brother, fighting to come out of the womb first, which earns him the name Jacob, which means heel grabber or cheater. He grows up, and he lives up to this name as he cheats his brother out of his birthright, And then we see him trick his father Isaac for the covenant blessing that rightly belongs to Esau, his older brother. And because of this, Esau wants to kill him. So then Jacob flees to his uncle Laban to hide. But while he's there, we see that he continues to fight. 
he fights for his preferred wife, and he fights for prosperity. And eventually, we see him deceive his uncle Laban and secretly run away with most of his possessions and his family. And then he journeys back home to Canaan. And while he's on his way back to Canaan, he remembers the unfinished business that he left about 20 years ago. Very soon, he would be reunited again with his brother Esau. And the last words that Esau said about him were along the lines of, the next time I see my brother, I'm going to kill him. So Jacob is afraid. And he becomes even more afraid when he finds out that Esau is approaching him with an army of 400 men. So how does Jacob respond? He fights again. He plots and he devises a scheme and he tries to bribe his brother Esau with gifts hoping to appease him. So he sends everyone ahead of him along with many gifts to Esau. What we see is for all of Jacob's life he's been fighting, fighting to get his way, fighting to get what he wants. And in many ways we are just like Jacob. Right? That same inclination is natural to us, to fight our way forward in life. It's within us. Right? We all have that same desire to get our own way, to get what we want, sometimes by any means necessary. At times we can be so desperate to gain something that we take matters into our own hands, even willing, like Jacob, to use deception or to step on people's heads to get in front or to tear other people down. And this can even be when we're seeking for good things. It doesn't have to be seeking after bad things, but like Jacob, even when we're seeking after good things, maybe a successful career, or a stable family, or a spotless reputation, or even a strong ministry. What we see here is the problem is not what we seek, but how we seek it. Because our pursuit of good things can be driven by self-determination and self-reliance. And the reason is because we often look at those things to make us happy and to fulfill us, and those good things become idols. And this is very natural for all of us. But we need to see that this is actually a fight with God. When we rely on ourselves and our own efforts, and we insist on our own way, we are fighting with God. And this is what we see with Jacob. Even before he enters this fight with God here in Genesis 32, he's been fighting with God all throughout his life. Self-reliant, self-dependent, self-centered, cheating, and deceiving. And now we come to verse 24. And we see Jacob all alone at night. He's in a vulnerable position. He's afraid for his life. And out of nowhere, he's attacked by an unidentified man. And this man begins to wrestle him, which is described in verses 24 and 25. So this was, this was no tickle fight or WWE wrestling. This was a serious wrestling match, as we see described briefly In those two verses, Jacob and this unidentified man are struggling. 
And I imagine they were covered in sweat and dirt as they fought on and on and on all night up until the morning. It says they fought until the break of day. And Jacob was fighting for his life. I think what's amazing here is that Jacob is strong. And at this time, he would have been 97 years old. Right? So a 97-year-old being able to resist this man is, is pretty incredible. And it shows that Jacob's an incredibly strong man. He's determined to resist this man, and it seems to be working. But then the fight takes a sudden turn in verse 25. It says, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So just imagine for a second, man for man, pound for pound, Jacob and this unidentified man are equal. All right, they both pull out their best wrestling moves, but neither of them can gain the edge. But then, all of a sudden, this unidentified man pulls out his one secret Final move that will surely end the fight, and that move is the touch. He touches Jacob's hip socket and dislocates his hip. Well, how, how does he touch him? All right, maybe, maybe he touches him with, with a karate chop. Is that how he touched him? All right, that would make sense for how his hip dislocated, right? No, that's not what he does at all. He simply touches his hip. He lightly touches Jacob's hip, which is probably the worst wrestling move in the world, but that's the point, right? That's the point. This was no ordinary man that Jacob was wrestling. This man was supernatural, and though it seemed like they were evenly matched, and Jacob might have even thought he was winning, it became clear that this man was in control the whole time because he paralyzed Jacob with one simple touch. Jacob was defeated, and the fight was over. Then we see in verse 26, even with the dislocated hip, Jacob is still holding on to this man, right? He's not ready to give up. He continues to hold him, so even though Jacob loses the fight, the wrestling continues, but now, instead of a physical battle, it turns into a battle of words. So in verse 26 to 29, we see the dialogue beginning between Jacob and this man. So in verse 26, this man commands Jacob to let him go immediately because they've been wrestling all night and it's morning. This is probably because he wanted to remain identified, unidentified. But why was, why was Jacob still holding on to him? We see in verse 26. All right, Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob realizes that this man was powerful and that he could give Jacob something that he could not get by himself. The blessing. A special blessing. And this is what Jacob was seeking his whole life. right? The blessing of God. The blessing of God. And that's a good thing, right? He was seeking after something that was good, not bad. So what Jacob was seeking is not the problem. The problem is how he seeks for it. 
As I mentioned earlier, all his life he's been fighting to win God's blessing by his own strength, by his own means. But all that fighting and deceiving has only landed him in situations that cause him to be afraid for his very life. He's afraid for his life with Esau. Now he's afraid for his life with this man. So fighting wasn't the way. What Jacob needed to learn was that the blessing of God cannot be won by his own strength, but only received by God's grace. So for Jacob to truly be blessed, he would have to receive that blessing from God as a gift. And for the first time here in verse 26, as Jacob is holding on to this man, he doesn't fight back, but he recognizes that he's no longer in control And he's dependent on someone who is far more superior than him. And it's probably at this point that Jacob realizes, I'm wrestling with God. He's fighting with God. It was God who took a hold of him and God who broke him. And instead of trying to save himself, when Jacob pleads for a blessing, he's surrendering to God. So in verse 27, we see God respond to Jacob's request for a blessing by asking him the question, what is your name? Now, of course, he knows his name already, but this is an important question because names in the Bible reveal people's character. It's not like today we name people Bob and Fred, and, and it doesn't mean much, but in the Bible, names reveal people's character. So... When God asks Jacob for his name, it's as if he's bringing him into a confessional booth and forcing him to admit his past life of sin. Jacob's name reveals his character. And by saying his name, he confesses who he is. He's a cheater, a deceiver, and a fighter. But then in verse 28, God says to Jacob, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. So Jacob admits who he is, but God cancels out Jacob's name. And with that name, he cancels out his old life of cheating and fighting. Literally, what God says is, not Jacob. Right? So he cancels out his name. You are no longer Jacob, the one who cheats, but now you are Israel, the one who has striven with God and with men, and has prevailed. So Jacob's life is completely transformed by his encounter with God. He comes out with a new name, which marks his new identity and his new destiny. And not only a new name, but also a new walk. As God injures him with a permanent limp. And that's connected to his name. And this is the blessing. This is the blessing, maybe not as Jacob thought, but... This is the way that God blesses him. Jacob is a new man with a new walk. And it symbolizes that he is no longer to walk by his own physical strength, but now by the mercy of God. And in this way, what do we see? We see that Jacob won the fight with God. Maybe not in the way that we might expect, but he fought with God and he prevailed. Jacob won the fight. 
How did he win the fight? He won the fight by losing. He won the fight by admitting defeat. He won by letting go of his pride and surrendering to God for mercy. This is how Jacob won the fight. And through Jacob, we, we learn the lesson for ourselves. Right? The only way to win with God is by losing. By accepting defeat. By letting go of our self-dependence and self-reliance and fully relying on Him. The way to win with God is to lose. All of our efforts to build our own kingdoms here on earth by our own strength and self-sufficiency will eventually be proven to be insufficiency. The only way to win with God is to lose because as the Bible says as elsewhere, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And God often teaches us this lesson by breaking us and causing us to limp. He allows us to experience hard and painful things in life to show us that we are not in charge and that we're weak. And his purpose in doing this is not to destroy us, but to bless us. Because it's when we have a sense of our own weakness that we find our strength and hope in the only place where it can be found, which is in Christ. So has God ever caused you to limp? Has he ever brought you to the end of yourself? Has he ever shown you your weakness and wickedness? If not, as someone once said, keep living. Whether it's a serious health diagnosis or a series of heartbreaking relationships or sudden financial hardships or a surprising death of a loved one, God allows us to experience trials in this life in order to break us to dislocate us of our pride and self-reliance, but in all of this, we experience the blessing of his mercy and grace in Christ as we learn to depend more and more on him. We see in this passage that Jacob had to be broken in order to become Israel, and in a similar way, God's people must limp to experience the blessing of his mercy and grace. And this limping begins when we first become Christians. As God breaks us of our pride and unbelief and he opens our eyes to see how wicked and unworthy we are and how desperately we need his love and forgiveness in Christ. And he causes us to humbly surrender and follow him. But it continues throughout the Christian life as God breaks us over and over through trials in situation, and he causes us to grow in weakness and humility, and this continues until we limp into heaven. Not by our own strength, but only by the strength that he provides. So this is the lesson we learn. The way of blessing is brokenness. The way of strength is weakness. The way to glory is humility. 
the way to win is to lose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. I pray that you would cause us to be people who are humble, who recognize and rejoice in our weakness, so that we might truly know the blessing that you have for us in your Son, Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.